0: Now, it is Valentine's, but I'm not going to preach on Valentine's. You don't have to worry about that. I am going to be preaching on love, um, but I'm not going to get caught up in the whole uh, relationships uh, because it's Valentine's. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Probably half of the room is going to be with me. The other half of the room is going to just think that I'm just a poor excuse of a man, but it it is what it is. I, I have this... This mindset, this stereotype of thinking that nobody really likes Valentine's. That's <laughs> just how I think. And I just made eye contact with some people that love Valentine's. And <laughs> just all of a sudden felt incredibly awkward. But I, I'm not going to preach Because I feel like Valentine's is, is the one day of the year where, where husbands realize that we don't know our wives very well. You know, we've known our wives for X number of years. I've had 15 Valentine's with my wife. Every time Valentine's comes around, I'm like, what am I going to get her? I, all of a sudden, I don't know what in the world she likes, and so I feel like it's the it's the it's the day on the calendar that every year comes around just to remind me that I don't pay attention to my wife very well. And for women uh, or wives rather, I feel like it's it's just an opportunity. Uh, for for wives to look at their husbands and remember that they're not as creative as they used to be. It's just how I feel. I, I, this has nothing to do with my message. I'm just I'm just I'm just warming up. Okay, so I just you know when we're dating, you know we come up with these incredible, you know, creative things to do with. I remember when Isaiah met Jessica. Jessica, in passing, said, Oh, yeah, I like Burt's beeswax, uh, whatever you call it. You know what I'm talking about? Chapstick, lipstick, Burt's beeswax. So Isaiah goes out and buys a whole box and puts (laughs) a red ribbon around it, like 16 of them. (laughs) What do you got planned for this one now that you've been married for a few years? You know, I can give your secrets away, all right? I mean, he—you know—he's gotten Jessica on a raft and gone out in the middle. Before, I mean, he, but when we get married, all of a sudden it's like. Hey, you know, we show. Know, you do good, I have to up. dude. That is like big time man props right there. That was like out loud in front of all your friends. That, that's like, all of a sudden, Isaiah just got like a new patch of hair on his chest. <laughs> when we watch him walk out to his car, he's going to be like, his leg all of a sudden broke. Just call me Big Papa. And then I feel like Valentine's for for single people, it's, it's, it's not any better for you guys. It's just that one day on the calendar where everybody gets to remind you that you're single. You know, it's like, I feel like the only people who like Valentine's are the 16 year old kids that are dating that really believe they're gonna get married. They really, really, really believe this is the one. This is the one. And we're looking at them like, I will bet you a billion dollars. Uh, you have a better chance of, get, of winning the lottery three times before you can marry that guy. I, I feel like Valentine's Day was made for, for these people. Has anyone here ever wondered where Valentine's Day came from? Have you? me and you. Nobody else has wondered, but we're going to tell them anyway, okay? Let's shut the lights out and and why don't you go ahead and and press play.
1: Legend has it that one Saint Valentine, a defiant Roman priest, lived during the third century AD under Emperor Claudius II. Claudius was an ambitious ruler. His battles required vast armies of men to abandon their young families for long periods of time resulting in a military that was half-hearted and homesick. So determined was Claudius to stop love from sapping the will of his armies, he banned marriages altogether. Father Valentine thought the ban unjust and defied the Emperor, continuing to marry young lovers in secret. The Emperor eventually caught on to the priest's actions, arrested him and sentenced him to death. It is believed that young couples he had secretly wed would visit his cell, passing him flowers and notes through the bars as symbols of their gratitude. The story continues that the condemned Father Valentine fell in love with his jailer's daughter. On February 14th, the day he was executed, it is said he passed the young girl a note. It was signed from your Valentine. A tradition
0: was born. Aren't you glad you came to church everybody? Now you know, now you know, absolutely, God is good. <laughs> God is good. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, uh, I, I feel like Valentine, there's somebody in our church that told me they did this. If you're here, just wave your hand. Um, they've transitioned Valentine's from just a an opportunity for a husband and wife to go out uh, to... A time for the whole family to experience Valentine's and so they have a tradition of having uh, spaghetti and marinara sauce for dinner every single Valentine's because it's white and red and they kind of have Valentine's together are you here whoever told me that Phil was it you (laughs) <laughs> Anything having to do with spaghetti, I think my paizan, it was divined it. But I think that's just a great idea. There's just so many people just kind of transitioning Valentines, which, uh, which reminds me, I'd like for Sarah to come on up here. She's going to need a microphone. Um, she's our, our chief of staff, our director of ministries, and uh, she recently bro- wrote a blog for the ladies' ministry here. And... Uh, uh, my wife forwarded it to me, and uh, I read it, and I shot an email to Sarah, and I was like, you have got to share this. So.
2: Well, Valentine's Day has sort of transitioned into this, you know, experience for the family. And <laughs> well, I guess I can start preaching, too. But uh, we were talking to um, my husband about what we're going to do for Valentine's Day, and I you know, was just kind of excited about the holiday because it is something special for us. You know, I think for parents, Valentine's Day is kind of our payday. You know, we kind of live for it in a way because, you know, Mother's Day is when our parents or our kids honor us, and Father's Day is when they honor their fathers, but I feel like Valentine's Day is kind of like my payday as a mom. And so I've been kind of on the lookout for that handmade, you know, crafted Valentine from my kids. And so I was digging through my five-year-old's backpack last night and I found it. And I pull it out and I look at it. And in fact, Jonathan has it. It's gonna flash up here. Look at that. It says, he had to make this, this, this book and it says, what do you love? And it says, mom and dad. And I was like, "You know what? All those creepy nights, all the wrestling matches I had to break up in the living room floor, all the checks mix I vacuumed out of my back seat, paid in full. I feel like he just paid me off. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm talking to I'm sorry, I keep hitting this. I'll set it here. OK. I was talking... It's a good thing I don't do this for a living. Thank you. So, I was uh, talking to my son and I said, I found this and I came up to him and I said, Owen, what do you love? And I kind of know the answer. You know, a prosecutor once taught me, you don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. That has been invaluable to me as a parent. What do you love? And he's like, I love my bike. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, it was a long day. He forgot. So I said, Owen. What do you love? Look at this picture. He's like, Mama, I love my bike. And I said he sees the confusion on my face and he turns the book over and his little bony kindergarten finger points at the front of the book and he says, Mama, Wade love his parents. But I love my bike. Things I love by Wade. Wade is lucky parents. Wade has lucky parents. I'm sitting there, my son loves his bike. I've been upstaged by a Lightning McQueen training wheel bike with flames on the handlebar. So, you know, for Valentine's Day, that, that for me, it kind of burst my bubble a bit. But at the end of the day, I, I just, I love my son and I know he'll come around to loving me. <laughs> and my husband actually, you know, Valentine's Day too, is kind of special for couples. And I don't think pastor knew I was gonna tell this story, but I'm feeling it tonight, so I'm going to but my husband recently husbands and wives kind of sometimes give lingerie as gifts for valentine's day and so for christmas my husband was gonna buy some valentine's day gifts for me a little early and i thought that's so nice and so i opened them and i'm pleasantly surprised it was very tasteful and i thought this is so nice todd i am i really do appreciate it this is nice well You know, Todd apparently had subbed out his Christmas this year. He'd given some money to a good friend of mine. She went and bought me a purse. He gave some more money to a different friend. She went and bought me a backpack. And so I was okay with it, because I thought, you know what? I love my friends, they have good taste. Well, I get a phone call at church from a gal who I have a lot of respect for, and she said, hey, hey, before I get into what I wanna talk to you about, I have to ask you, how'd you like that underwear, that lingerie Todd got you for Christmas? And I thought to myself, if he subbed this out, (laughs) James Allen has an 8.30 tomorrow morning, and it is Sarah Stevens. So I'm a little taken aback, and I'm like, I, well, I don't know how to answer this. It didn't fit. I took it back. But that's you don't want to know that. I don't know what's going on. And she said, well, my husband saw your husband shopping at Macy's in the lingerie department, and he came home and told me about it. And I realized then and there, that's how we roll in the fish bowl. And I told Todd, I said, sweetie, the lesson here is one, don't stop buying me nice things, but go to the Galleria to do it. So Valentine's Day for the Stevens.
0: Yeah, Valentine's Day is always interesting, um, but I don't want to uh, get uh, too bogged down on Valentine's Day, but I do want to sink my teeth into Uh, the love concept. Um, In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 1, it reads like this. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So it's interesting there because it says pursue love and desire everything else spiritual. Pursue love and desire the rest. I've been in the church world my whole life. Um, I'm a preacher's kid. I, I took a vacation from church, a bad vacation. Shouldn't have ever done it uh, when I was in high school. Uh, ended up coming back around. Um, so I've seen both sides of the street. Um, my whole life in church, people have been pursuing gifts. And whereas the scripture says to pursue love. Now, when you, many of you have different versions of the Bible. Some of you have the King James Version. Some of you have the NIV Version. It's so fascinating to me that the word pursue is a very purposeful word. Uh, The Greek verb has an intensity to it. And so if I were to say it the way uh, it's written, it would sound like this. Pursue love. Pursue it. If I were Paul and I were talking instead of writing, I would look at you and say, pursue love. Oh, and the spiritual gifts and, and prophesying. I want you guys to continue to desire those things. Do you see the contrast? Hey, everybody! I want you to pursue it. I want you to be laser focused and pursue it. Now, there's one version of the Bible that uh, I completely uh, think watered down that point, and it's the uh, it's the NIV verse. Uh, no, yes, yeah, the NIV. I just feel like it falls short. Uh, now, if you have an NIV. Uh, don't go, you know, put it on the shelf and feel like you need to go buy another one because I read all the versions all at the same time. You know, I wonder what the NIV says. I wonder how the King James says it. Um, But in this particular verse, I just feel like it falls short because it reads like this in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, follow the way of love. Instead of saying pursue love, it says follow the way of love. And I feel like it just misses it because it's such a casual approach to what the Bible calls the most important commandment in the whole Bible. So if you take all 5,000 pages and you try to figure out what the most important thing here is, in Matthew 22 it says, love the Lord thy God with your mind, heart, and soul, and love Your neighbor is yourself. So love is the most important thing in the whole book. You could make an argument that you could take the whole book of the Bible and choose to uh, try to come up with a parallel book that is as thick as a fortune cookie message that just says those two things. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart and soul and and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If every single book of the whole Bible has the same common theme of redemption, where there's always somebody in every single book that has got themselves in a pickle And God forgives them and restores them to himself. Every single book has that theme. And right smack in the middle of it, it says, hey, love me with all you've got. Now, in 2014, we've got a lot of things going on. We've got Valentine's Day. We have Martin Luther King Day. we got to mow the grass. we got to work. We have to do this. We need to do that. And we have these intrinsic dreams and hopes and desires and, and all these things. And it's very, something is, is very interesting. Hey, Jonathan, there's something wrong with the clock. If you can circle back around and look at it, um, it it'll help me. Um, but none of y'all look at the clock. <laughs> none of y'all's business what that clock says in fact it's working just fine okay just 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 leave it alone when God made Adam he pulled Adam right out of the ground pulled him out of the ground and everything that lives always goes back to its source to find out what it is that gives them life physical life not spiritual life physical life So a tree came out of the ground, that's where it gets its physical life from. Grass comes out of the ground, that's where it gets its physical life from. It's where it gets rejuvenated, that's where it gets pumped a a fish is out of the water a guy came out of the ground so if you want to see a guy get stoked and pumped it's when he does something here on earth like sees it has this vision this idea and goes and gets it and conquers the mountain and and gets the job or gets the degree or gets the sale or or just does something here on earth it gives it I feel good about myself And if you wanna find a guy that just doesn't have that, oh, it's when those goals are not being accomplished, they just kind of feel, because that's where we get our, our vigor from. Women are not that way. Women don't sit around with these dreams and wake up every morning and go tackle those dreams. They may have dreams, but it's not what drives them. It's not what gives them security. Thank you, lady, whoever says that. (laughs) The reason why it's not what drives them and gives them security is because God didn't take a woman and pull them out of the ground. He reached into a man and pulled out a woman. So the woman gets their security and, and comfort from where she came from. Does that make sense? And so thank you, I appreciate that. You guys are helping me out tonight. And so this is how God does this. He he, he, he pulls us and then deep down in, in the middle of our soul, he tells us now above all these things, don't get distracted guys with your dreams and goals, because you may reach all those dreams and goals, and you haven't pursued love, and when you're 99 years old and you're just about to go six feet under, you're gonna realize that you've attained a lot but nothing at all. And ladies don't get so caught up in this guy, whoever he is, because you'll reach the end of your life. And if you didn't pursue love and cultivate love, now you're in trouble. And so the Lord is saying very clearly, Paul is saying, pursue this. Be laser focused on it. Pursue it. So we're going to talk about three things very, very quickly. Number one, we're going to talk about pursue love. Number two, we're going to talk about the image of love. And number three, we're going to talk about the expression of love. The pursuing the love. It's a very purposeful word. And I just kind of camped on that. So I'm going to go straight to number two. The image of love. If if love is going to be something that we express, which is point number three, and I'll get there in a minute, you got to know exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. Americans have done a horrible job just defining love. Raise your hand if you speak more than one language. Show-offs, put your hands down. Maybe in other languages, it's <laughs> maybe in other languages it's properly defined. It's properly used. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I tell people I speak Spanish, but if you talk back to me in Spanish, then I'm in trouble. Like I can go, poquito queso. Don't say anything back and I can speak Spanish. (laughs) I don't know what love or how it's defined in other languages, but the English language just says a poor job of it. And I'll tell you why. Because I loved pizza. I love spaghetti. I love lasagna. I love meatballs. I love mozzarella. I love manicotti. I, you can tell I'm Italian. I love these things. But in the same breath, using the same exact word, on Valentine's Friday night, I'm going to look at my wife and I'm going to say, I love you. So she's right up there with manicotti. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? She's right up there with a big bowl of bolognese. We we don't know how to work this love thing. So we got to properly understand exactly what love is. And this is what I want to tell you. Love is a noun. Now, for those of us that have been out of school a little bit too long, a noun is a person, place, or thing, or idea. Love is a noun. It can also be a verb. It needs to be a verb. It better be a verb. But first, it's a noun. Love is a person. You know the scriptures where it says love is gentle, love is kind, love is not not boastful, love is not proud, love is not selfish. You know that scripture? It's talking about a person. Uh, Write this down on your notes if if you would. In, In 1 John 4, 16, it says God is love. When you watch Jesus operate, you're watching love operate. That's what love is. That's what love looks like. If you want to know what love looks like, you just imagine Jesus, which is a perfect segue sentence to kind of take a sidebar. Uh, I was flying somewhere recently. I walked up to the book stand. Before I got on the plane, I saw this yellow cover book. Raise your hand if you've seen this book. It says, Heaven is for Real. Have you heard about it? I took the book, did any of you guys hear about that book? Heaven is for Real. It's, it, I took the book, I, I read like the first 10 pages, and I said, ah, it's not for me, and I put it down. When people say they've gone to heaven, I take it with a grain of salt. If you say that you've had a dream and you went to heaven, I have no reason to not believe you. But I'm not really going to pin my religion on what you just said. Does that make sense? I'm just like, hey, tell me about it. If it gets me excited, awesome, but I'm not gonna change anything I do according to what you just told me. Uh, If what you just told me doesn't get me excited, then I take everything you said and I just kind of throw it in the trash can and I say, well, thanks for sharing that. (laughs) Are you with me? Has anyone ever told you a dream and you're like, oh yeah, that's just, uh, thank you for sharing that. stop eating pizza at two in the morning. You won't have that dream anymore. I promise you that. So anyway, I had a friend of mine just two weeks ago or three weeks ago tell me about the book. He read the book. I flipped out. So I went and I got the book on my iPhone. And anytime I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't fall asleep, I get my iPhone and I pick a book. I got like 12 books in there and I just pick one and I start reading it. So I read reading this story about this boy who had an appendix eruption, nearly died, and he goes to heaven and he tells all these experiences. Now you can say it's baloney, say it's not baloney. Um, It doesn't really matter to me. What I find extremely interesting is that the parents of this boy, every time they'd walk into a church or a library or where there's a painting of Jesus, The parents would ask the boy, is this what Jesus looks like? And the boy would say back, no, that's not what he looks like. So going to somewhere else a few months later, they would see a picture. Maybe they were reading a book and they say, hey, is this what Jesus looks like? And the little boy, he's like five or six years old. You know, when you're five or six, they don't even know how to lie. Sometimes we wish they would lie, right? Those. What do you mean you wish you would lie? If you were my children's Sunday school teacher, I hope he lies all the time. Does your parents ever fight? No, no, they never fight. My dad's always in a good mood. Um, this, this, The kids don't know how to lie. They're just blatantly honest. If you have a booger hanging out your nose and you're around a five-year-old, they're going public, right? They're going public with that. So the boy's like, no, it doesn't look like Jesus. No, it doesn't look like Jesus. CNN does this story. Now, I almost played it today, but I I knew I was going to run out of time, so I didn't. Go home and Google it. Go to YouTube and type in girl paints dream of Jesus. You know, type in those keywords. CNN does a story on this six-year-old girl. How old is she, Jonathan? Eight. Eight Eight-year-old. She's eight years old. And she tells her mom that she has these dreams of heaven, and she comes back and paints them. CNN does a story on this girl just because she's a phenomenal painter. I mean, it's like Michelangelo level, and she's only eight. CNN doesn't care whether it's real or not. They think it's just a great story, and she's a phenomenal painter. This isn't like paint-by-number stuff. This girl's a, a phenomenal painter. So this painting... Uh, comes across the parents of the boy that went to heaven, even claims he went to heaven. So they call the little boy over, they pull up the picture on the computer of Jesus, of this eight-year-old painting, and they say, come here, is this what Jesus looks like? And he goes, yes. There's this moment where The parents just froze and he says that's exactly what he looks like. Let me show you a picture of what the girl painted. I don't know if that's what he looks like but there's something in my spirit that leaps when I look at it. The little boy in the book talked about his eyes. His eyes are the most beautiful eyes he's ever seen. You can take the picture down for a moment. Do you know Pilate before he arranged for Jesus to be crucified? He, this isn't in the Bible, this is just history books. He said he wanted to meet Jesus because he couldn't understand why these thousands and thousands of people were following Jesus. He wanted to meet him. And so he met him in the middle of the night. He had some centurions bring Jesus to his courtyard. So he met Jesus in the middle of the night and he walked up to him. And in the writings... He said, I have never looked into a man's eyes where it appeared to be liquid love. If you wanna know what love is, it's Jesus. If you wanna know what love looks like, it's Jesus. Now there's a very interesting scripture in the Bible Jesus was, God was speaking to a prophet and he said something very fascinating. He looked at the prophet and he said, I want you to tell these people this, that you are so created, let me see if I have it on my notes. I apologize, I didn't have it on my notes to give you the reference. But he says, you know how to fall in love. You know how to fall in love. A preacher or a book, nobody needs to tell you how to express love. Because deep down inside, you know how. You know when it's to be kind and you know when it's to be nice. And as I transition into that third point, expressing love is doing nothing more than acting like love. That's all it is. It's when you see love, you've studied love, you've read about love, I'm talking about a person right now. And then in your life, you want to get close to love, and you want to act like love. Your spirit coaches you. The Bible says this, that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So that little coaching whisper where it says, Give them a break. Give them some mercy. Don't get mad. So those little coaching moments where your spirit and the Holy Spirit are blending together so that you can express love. I want to share something with you. Write this down if you would. the effect of expressing love is love begins to permeate your atmosphere. Anytime you express love in your way, you choose to love, immediately your atmosphere, your room, begins to be permeated with the presence of love. You say, well, how do you know that? because God is love, when you express love and you express kindness, you can't do that if he isn't coming out of you, if he is not in the air. You are choosing at that moment to change the atmosphere of your house. You're choosing at that moment. For those of us that don't like The atmosphere of a particular room that we walk into, we have the ability to change the whole feel of the room. There's one store in the mall that I stopped going to when I was 17. It was called Spencer's. I walked into Spencer's. If you like Spencer's, I'm not preaching against Spencer's. This is just me personally, okay? So don't get mad at me. I walked into Spencer's when I was 17, and I was like, something's weird about this room this store, something's weird. I don't like the feeling of this room. So I don't go into Spencer's anymore. I don't even know what Spencer's sells. All I know is when I walk into Spencer's, I get the, this tightness in my spirit, so I don't go in there. Do you know what I'm talking about, Spencer's in the mall? I don't know what it is. The same is true if I'm in another room. Do you know you can change when your spirit, I don't like that, I don't like it. It might be your house. You can change the atmosphere. I could back up and say, if if I can control Spencer's, I'm just a customer, but if I was allowed to do what I want to do in Spencer's, if I weren't just a customer, I could change the whole atmosphere of that place just by expressing love. Are you with me? You want to change the atmosphere? The second thing that happens when you express love is that love begins to embed himself upon you. Embed. So first you've changed the atmosphere, and the next thing that happens is it begins to embed, it begins to imprint, it, 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 it begins to, I'm trying to, uh, have you ever taken a, uh, have you ever gone somewhere and taken a penny or a nickel and stick it in the machine and then pull down on it, and then you get your penny back, and all of a sudden it's got like, I don't know, the monument on there or something, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Do you know what I'm saying? You you stick it in there. uh, Let me just make this up. You you go to the the national, the the monument over there by Baytown. Uh, I don't know. Just follow me here. I'm working this thing out. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? It's embedded. it's It's engraved. It's stamped in there. When you begin to express and begin to act, and begin to do what he, love, would do, first of all, the atmosphere changes, and he begins to embed himself in you. Isn't that good? It's worth it. Can I just say, that's a, that's a word from the Lord. It's worth it. It's worth it. When the person, does the person deserve it? It's irrelevant. It's worth it. It's worth the expression of love to a person who doesn't deserve it just to be embedded. I'm going to do this because of what happens. You may be looking at a jerk, a shmagul, but you're going to do it anyway just to change the atmosphere, just to be embedded. And then the number three, love draws nearer. Your relationship, I should have used the word intimacy. Don't, I know this is your heart, otherwise you wouldn't be here tonight. Don't you wish that you could hear God's voice as clearly as you hear mine? Do you know the Bible says that his voice is like the rushing of many waters This is how I think, I know I don't think normal, but God made me, he likes the way I think. When I think the rushing of many waters, I think to myself, how much water is rushing on the earth right now? Right this minute, rushing. Toilets are flushing, sinks are running. Pools are running, the Niagara Falls is running, streams are going, lakes are going, somebody's spitting, Pfft, I'm spitting. Water is rushing all over the plate. Water just just streams the, the hot springs in Arkansas. Somebody's in a water fight right now in Australia. It, just water every the and, and it's everywhere. And that's how he chooses to say how often he talks. If he's going to talk that much, wouldn't you like to be able to hear it as clearly as my voice is right now? And the more we change the atmosphere, the more we volunteer to be embedded, the more intimate we get, the more we hear that voice. And that's why Paul says pursue this. Cultivate this. Refuse to live without this.